You know, I must confess that on the weekend when, when the shopping needs to be done at the warehouse, I volunteer to do it. I enjoy it because I can whip out my, my iPhone and, and pull up the scanner and scan the barcodes on all the items and then just walk out while everybody else is backed up in line. I love it. What I didn't realize is that technology has been around for 50 years and it's used more than 10 billion times a day and to a great degree because of Paul McEnroe who headed up the group at IBM that started all this and he's got a new book about it. And he joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, tell, so 50 years ago, did you have any conception that I would still be using this at Sam's Club in, in 2023? No, of course not at all. Uh, I did uh, think there was a chance uh, because we knew that the world needed a standard. And there were, uh, you know, actually, I started on it in 69 and the standards committee got formed in 70. So we went for six months or a year without really knowing too much. And then three years later, we were selected as the international standard. And then we thought, yeah, that's going to be big, but not for 50 years. You know, I mean, if a technology lasts a decade, that's pretty good. It really is. And, and of course, that's the key is that it is the standard that that it's the same barcode on a, uh, you know, on a Nestle's Crunch Bar here and in Switzerland and, and in France. The price may be different every place. Yeah, that's right. Every, the code is exactly the same. There's a, a country code in, hidden in the first few bars of the code that tells you whether you're in the United States or where you are, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but other than that, and, and that's not a difference in the code. That's just the encoding yeah. is encoded to being to give them a different country code if they're in a different country. Well, but, but yes, it's all the same, and it's the same as when it started uh, exactly. So back up. So how did how did this start, and why did it end up at IBM? I mean, IBM made big mainframe computers, not barcodes. That's that's right, and, and we were by many measures the biggest company in the world at that time. Well, the, the way it started is the CEO of IBM, a very famous guy named Frank Carey, uh, believed that there wasn't enough growth left in pure computers for IBM to keep its growth rate that it had had the last four or five years. And so he sent people out to go buy companies in Silicon Valley. And they told him even before they went, no, Frank, it isn't going to work. They don't like the white shirts, blue suits, red ties, black wingtips, and they're all going to quit the next morning. So then they decided to, okay, we're going to find somebody inside the company, inside IBM, and get us into a peripheral business. Now, they had no idea about point of sale. And I got asked to do that because of my background and experience, and I had just uh, completed some business work at Stanford, and I was living in Silicon Valley, okay? And that was where the IBM lab that I worked was. So it, it kind of fit the bill. And then they said, you pick the business. So I looked at businesses that were on the periphery of engineering from an engineering point of view of uh, computers. And I looked at banking and then point of sale and the point of sale, you know, it needs a computer at the warehouse. It needs a computer in the back room of the store or a control unit. And if they get everything uh, numbered, you know, it's going to really expand the computer usage. So I proposed that. They bought it. And then the standards bodies a year later came by and wanting to do a standard. And we fit right in. And ours was selected. We did a lot of 
detailed research on what is the most reliable code because it had to be reliable or it wasn't going to last. You know, one time we were talking to Matt Rose, who was then the CEO of Burlington Northern Santa Fe, and he said, we used to use it use our rail cards we lost them they would just disappear for weeks on end we put a barcode on it he said eventually we went to these rf rfd i guess rfid uh, yeah rfid and actually because yeah. some mud, radio frequency identification said mud would get on the barcode and all of a sudden they, you couldn't have a reader but i guess that's something else is it, it has to be it has to be legible yeah, that's right. And uh, we put a lot of things in it, which help in supermarkets and so on. They may not help so much on railroad cars, uh, railroad cars. They use a lot bigger ones uh, and so on. But what we put in is, is the encoding is such that even if one of the uh, pairs of bars, there's, there's two bars and two spaces that make up each letter or each number. Uh, if one of those is uh, obliterated, it'll still read it because we've got enough redundancy in the system that it can tell you if only one digit is missing and it reads nine, it can figure out what the missing one was and it'll correct it. If there's more than one, it'll say that there's an error. So the interesting thing is the standardization. And I guess maybe that's where the computer comes in. So uh, a barcode's on a can, can of corn. And Piggly Wiggly's going to charge one thing, and Safeway's going to charge another, and you know Aldi's going to charge still a different right. price, but it's the same barcode, and so it's the the computer, I guess, that inputs the price to associate with that barcode. Is that the marriage? Well, what IBM? it does is it just tells it what when they pull the barcode across the, from whatever it is that has got the package on it, and like you said, the same barcode goes to Piggly Wiggly as goes to Kroger. Uh, the same package and everything. And then it goes, it is read and goes by uh, all the systems that we built that surround the barcode, the communications line. The, uh, it's like a PC on the desktop of the check stand and a computer in the back room with special magnetic recording that we developed back there for it. And it goes back there and it puts that number in, the same number that every supermarket is going to read. But that supermarket has its price on the file in right. the back room. And that's the price that will come out and, you know, that you will pay. And then they'll order their inventory from it from there and so on and so forth. So, yes, each item, a Campbell's soup of a certain size and shapes, the same number goes to everybody. But then they operate on it differently depending on what they've got in their backroom computer. So IBM didn't make any money on the barcode. I mean, you, you couldn't charge like a penny for every barcode that was put on. You must have made, no, no. You made the, the money the, on the, the standards group required that all proposals for the barcode. And there were 14 of them uh, that were submitted, seven finalists. Uh, they had to be in the public domain. So no, nobody gets any rights uh, to to the barcode. Uh, IBM made their money by uh, selling uh, products uh, to the supermarkets, and then they made their money by selling computers to supermarkets to use to manage the money. I mean, all the numbers that they have that right. describe the items and so on and the warehouses and everything else. So, yeah, they just made money on selling hardware and software. So how big a team did, did you have and, and how long did you work on it? I started with six guys plus myself and uh, went that way for, you know, best part of a year or so and then uh, broadened out. And after a couple of years, we were in the low hundreds, maybe two, three hundred people. But but a lot of those people were writing software, helping individual 
uh, stores with their software for how they wanted to manage the store, which we built into their systems. Because, you know, we would sell like uh, 2,000 uh, store systems to Safeway. And then they wanted all their stores to work the same way. So they would have us bury the software into their systems. And then Kroger would have us do it a, a different way. And so we, we did have to have some personalization there. But we started with just a half a dozen people. Uh, a couple worked on the code, a couple worked on the communications, a couple worked on the magnetics, a couple worked on the systems configuration, and so on. So what do you do as a follow-up to inventing the barcode? Like you come up with sliced bread or something? <laughs> Actually, what what came my way was the token ring. Do you remember the token ring? Of course. The, 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 the token ring was, uh, along with Ethernet, the, one of the two methods that connected all the computers. And actually, I took the supermarket communication system that we designed for supermarkets in the 60s, late 60s and early 70s. And I redid that in the 80s. I had a team, of course, an expert team that did this. And we generalized the uh, the uh, addressing and uh, increased the speed by many factors. And uh, that became the token ring. So that's what we followed it with. So they, they, they call you the barcode cowboy. Uh, t- talk about being a cowboy. You're a, you're, you ride hunter jumper and Western. Yeah, both. Uh, I, 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 I have a ranch and so, uh, I ride Western more often because I have a herd of cows and I'm out, you know, working them and chasing them and having fun all the time with that. Uh, yeah. When I left the computer world, uh, in, uh, 1994, I became a cowboy. But uh, I, my dad uh, always uh, influenced me uh, on uh, the, the wonders of the West and the Western style of life and horses and everything. And I never had a chance to do that pretty very much during my life. Although while I worked at IBM, I did have a few horses in the backyard and I raised the kids with <laughs> horses and we moved them around. IBM means I've been moved and they moved my horses wherever <laughs> they moved me. But uh, now I, I have a ranch, uh, I have a beautiful wife, and uh, she's an ex-cowgirl, although, you know, she's a accomplished uh, educator as well. And uh, we have uh, a nice small cattle ranch here in the San Inez Valley of California, and uh, I really enjoy that. I even uh, was very uh, privileged to be honored as the Vaquero of the Year, which is the name for the Cowboy of the Year by our local uh historical society here in uh, San Inez. Well, I, so, I admire you because if you had invented the barcode 50 years ago and, and had been retired, um, you know, you're not a spring chicken, but you're still riding those horses. I'm, I'm 86. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and active in that. Look, so you've written a new book, The Barcode, How a Team Created One of the World's Most Ubiquitous Technologies, and it comes out in a couple of weeks, and everybody needs to... Uh, get an advanced copy we appreciate yeah. the time well it's, it's my pleasure thank you very much enjoy meeting you thanks a lot for more of our conversation go to krld.com slash ceo i'm david johnson news radio 1080 krld